Hello, and welcome to the second episode in International Airport Review's podcast series. My name is Tara Nolan, editor of International Airport Review, and your host today. All airports are aiming to ensure every passenger has a positive experience through the terminal. This is needed to ensure the reputation of an airport is of good quality, that traffic continues to grow, and that travelling by air is enjoyable. For the aviation industry to continue growing successfully, this must include passengers with reduced mobility. Now many airports have recognised this and there are various schemes and initiatives coming into play that are easing the journey and securing a positive experience for passengers who require extra assistance. International Airport Review featured an accessibility in-depth focus in the third issue of the magazine this year, in which an individual from an international hub said, PRM demographics are changing. The next generation of PRMs will be a tech-savvy, well-educated generation that values independence over everything else. Therefore, for this podcast episode, I have looked into how airports should plan to cater for the next generation of PRMs and what work the industry has left to do. Joining me for this is Roberto Castagelloni, a globally known accessible air travel expert and an airport accessibility consultant. Roberto, thank you so much for joining me. Could you give us a brief overview of your experience and the roles that you have held in the airport industry? First of all, it's a great pleasure to be here with you today. Well, l- let me tell you a little bit how I got involved with this. About 10 years ago, I was standing in a check-in queue at an airport in the Far East, and my son was in his special needs buggy. And as we approached the agent, he got up from his seat, looked at me, looked at my son, and then looked back to me and said, why can't he walk? What's wrong with him? And that was the moment that I understood something needed to be done. Ten years on, uh, well, you see where I'm at today. Unfortunately, where there is human interaction, there's always an element of potential disaster in the sense that we are not all the same. Sometimes we wake up with the left foot in the morning. Chemistry may not be there, as simple as that. So there could be something like that. But what we have achieved as an industry together is that overall conditions are greatly improved over the past 10 years thanks to legislation, but most importantly, thanks to industry-driven innovation. In my my little corner of the world, I have done my duty, first of all, getting involved with regulator. I've been uh, in the advisory panel of the Civil Aviation Authority since 2012, since it was formed. Then I started working with the European Commission and later on with the European Parliament, co-writing documents for the Transport Committee. I joined uh, the EasyJet Special Assistance Advisory Group uh, also in mid-2012. And then I worked with Dubai Airports in 2013-2014. That was uh, quite a moment in the sense that uh, running the first audit of Dubai airports. It's a very large airport, as you know, and I had to audit all terminals. I ended up clocking 72 kilometers on foot over four days. So, you know, it was good for my my shape, (laughs) but a a bit tiring, but it was a very nice uh, experience. I've then worked with other airports in the region, Middle East, and some in continental Europe, in Italy, Germany, Spain, Belgium, and the Netherlands and then I have done a bit of work also in Poland. Fast forward to 2017, I joined Heathrow, which I left uh, about a couple of months ago. I think they're in a much better position now than they were before, and I wish them uh, well. Right now, I am uh, a bit closer to the airline industry. Uh, I 
uh, some work with IATA, the Trade Association of Airlines. And, and of course, I continue with airports because at the end of the day, I think that it's fundamental to have collaboration between all stakeholders. It is tempting sometimes to pick a fight or point fingers. And sometimes, you know, it's required to let some steam off. But at the end of the day, uh, if you don't collaborate, you get nowhere. So then, how far have you witnessed the industry's attitude towards passengers with reduced mobility change? Well, I think there's a greater attention today. First of all, what I've witnessed personally is that you will see organizations where management has personal awareness of disability because one of the family members or a close relative has a disability. And then, of course, there is perhaps a little bit more attention to it. But overall, it is very much in the top three uh, priorities across the world. And, and it only makes sense because none of us is getting younger. Baby boomers like me uh, probably will need some help uh, 10 years down the line. Now, the difference between the PRMs today and, and the soon-to-be, or the PRMs in waiting like myself, is that we are tech-savvy, and that's an advantage. But we're also very entitled. We know what we want, and we expect it. No excuses. So it is a bit of a challenge, but also a great opportunity, because our generation is the one that has the greatest uh, disposable income and travels uh, off-peak, uh, which is exactly the time when airlines and airports want people to travel, you know, to fill the voids and fill the gaps. That is certainly an incentive to continue and further the, the agenda of accessibility. What challenges stand in the way of an airport when they're looking to implement an accessibility initiative? I think that the greatest challenge still today is cultural. Because knowledge is there, technology is there, know-how is there. And again, you need to see disability as just another part of the human landscape. Not as a nuisance or something that, yeah, it's there, we have to comply to be okay with the law. No, no, it's just a part of the human landscape. And unfortunately, I was talking to a good friend of mine a couple of days ago, and he works for an operator that recently bought some new devices that are for everybody. And then all of a sudden they realized they were not accessible. And this is 2019. Now, the good side is that they realized it better late than never. But the downside for the company is that now they will have to retrofit, which post-delivery always costs much more, and it's not as good as it could be. Even when designing new airports, you have to make sure that the team has accessibility in the right site, because otherwise you keep building new terminals that are beautiful, but they are too big. There's not enough travelators, there's not enough alternative uh, solutions to move people around. There is not enough uh, assistive technology to help people remain independent because, believe me, the next generation of PRMs are going to be far more independent than this generation. Even uh, passengers with severe mobility impairment, let's talk about a famous uh, BBC journalist, for instance, uh, they don't need and they don't want any type of assistance through their journey. They just need assistance to get on and get off the plane. And going forward, uh, this is going to change the way airports provide assistance and airports design their terminals because you want to make sure that the people that want to remain independent throughout the journey can make their own way to the gate. And of course, there will always be a bottleneck there to get on and off the plane. And that's the point, the only point where you will need that assistance for this category of passengers. 
are the passengers that have, for instance, uh, autism or dementia, the biggest issue will remain the filters, security. And therefore, security has to be uh, not just the training of staff, but also the way you funnel people through the security checkpoint has to be well thought so that they can have a better experience. And something people never think about it. And to be honest with you, I have a little personal experience, although I'm not a wheelchair user. Uh, when you go through security and you put your bags in the trays, if you're a wheelchair user, it will take a long time before you get on the other side, especially if you're using your own wheelchair because the wheelchair has to be checked, and rightly so. But your tray, who's going to look after your tray and your personal belongings? And that builds anxiety. And I tell you, at the end of May, I was in Miami Airport, one of those early morning flights that was going through security at 5 o'clock in the morning. I go through security, and then I start looking for my backpack. I travel with a business backpack, and it's not there. And then finally they find the backpack, but it's not mine. So I alerted TSA personnel, TSA reviewed the footage, you know, and, and they found the person. So they launched a search party. Thankfully, flights had not taken off uh, yet. And they found this person that was boarding the plane. He had my backpack. And I'm pretty sure he realized it wasn't his, because in his, there was a pair of shoes and an, and an old T-shirt. Whereas in mine, I had my wallet, my passport, everything. You know, it's a, as a business, you know, you, you throw everything in your backpack. So think of it from a wheelchair user perspective. Uh, you put your things in a tray, and then you're taken aside for five, six, eight minutes, because that's the time that it takes to check a wheelchair. And the anxiety with you is, who is looking after my property? Uh, who's looking after that tray, you know, because it's exposed to everybody. Anybody can walk past. And again, we were many people at 5 o'clock in the morning going through security, but still the person managed to get away with it, almost. Wow, that is definitely a perspective I'm sure not many people would think about. It is normally the infrastructure that is focused on, not the procedures specifically. It's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, so again, going forward, the big opportunity, I don't like to use the word challenge, I always like the opportunity because there's always opportunity in something new, will not only be to build airports in a different way, in a more inclusive, you know, using universal design, for instance, but also processes and procedures that are built around the passenger's needs. And as I mentioned to you, if you book assistance as a WCHC passenger, a passenger travels with his own personal wheelchair and needs help to move onto the seat, well, then uh, at that point in time, you will require assistance only at that critical touch point. But think of the savings along the way, because right now, what would happen is that there is a kind of a patronizing setup whereby you have to go landside, you show yourself at the meeting point, and they assign a, an agent for you. The agent takes you to security, possibly takes you to a lounge uh, airside, PRM lounge. Then you're sat there waiting for somebody to come and pick you up and take you to the gate. And of course, maybe that somebody may not be there on time, but you know your flight is leaving. You know you have to be carried on board. And frankly speaking, it is not a pretty sight to be carried on board when other passengers are already boarded the plane. You would like to be pre-boarded. That would be the indication also of the Civil Aviation Authority. But because this is a very patronizing system, there is a lot of resources, staff, that go into this journey. But if you redesign your services around the needs of the passenger and the need of the passenger just to get on and off the plane, then you can deploy the agent at the gate only. 
because that's the only way you need help. So think about how you can reduce the time that staff uh, having to push a person through an airport. That person doesn't even want to be pushed through the airport, they want to go through alone. That's so interesting. Gatwick recently launched their independent accessibility panel. Is that something that every airport should be creating and focusing on? Well, first of all, I would like to congratulate Gatwick Airport for the great work they've done on accessibility in recent years. They were the first airport in the UK to address issues from the bottom going up. They first set up a new foundation of their PRM operation by adopting a state-of-the-art software that manages PRMs. They changed service provider, the new service provider has delivered so far uh, very well because they are really working, understanding the needs of the passengers. Now, it is of course, I more than welcome the fact they set up for the advisory group. This is a requirement by the Civil Aviation Authority. Every airport, at least major airports, should have one. I'm very happy that uh, Gatwick finally decided to set it up. I have a lot of friends that sit on that, in that group, and I'm sure they will do a, very, a lot of work. But from my personal experience, I can tell you that consultation, it's a tricky exercise. You can achieve a lot from consultation if you focus the attention of these advisory groups on the right subjects. Now, for instance, questioning ECAC performance, and ECAC parameters are those parameters that the CAA uses to rate airports. Well, that's really a matter between the airport and the service provider and the regulator and consultation of those is just saying, why didn't you score 90% this month? But consultation on setting the quality standards, so deciding what type of service, what quality of service the airport and or the service provider provides to passengers, well, that is where advisory groups can make a world of difference. And I am sure that Gatwick, who is already in a very good place, will further improve thanks to the new advisory group. Brilliant. Is there a particular airport that stands out to you in terms of catering for accessibility needs? The airport of the future. <laughs> no, a lot of airports are doing a lot of great things. Uh, if you think about North America, you have the pinnacle of accessibility is normally uh, seen in Vancouver Airport. But then again, as far as innovation goes, you have Cincinnati Airport. They're very advanced. If you think about the Middle East, both Dubai airports and Abu Dhabi airports, especially mid the new midfield terminal, they're doing great things. Maybe I'm a bit too demanding. I don't think there is one airport that stands out 100%. A lot of airports are doing a lot of good things, but they're not doing everything yet. But I'm pretty sure that soon somebody will stand up and then they will be the leaders, you know. Because, again, what I told you in the beginning, none of us is getting any younger. And getting it right now means, especially in the airports, you, know, you plan today for an operation that has to stay there for 30, 40 years. Right? So if you plan it right today, you're going to have infrastructure that works 20, 30 years down the line. So you will be able to cater to the needs of those passengers that are going to be your bread and butter. And honestly, you know, when you have this segment of population with such high disposable income, there is a business case. If you look at it from the airline perspective, for example, some airlines do it better than others. Some do it because they believe it's the right thing to do, but there is also a business side of things. Normally, if a person with a disability is satisfied, their loyalty levels to the brand is about 95%. 
which is through the roof if you think about it. So no matter if your fares are a bit more expensive than your competition, this person will fly with you. And normally a PRM flies with 3.8 other passengers. So all of a sudden, if you cater well to 500,000 PRMs and 95% of those have a good experience or therefore they are loyal to your brand, you have 1.8 million loyal customers. Isn't there a business case there? Most definitely. For the final question, which I think you have already touched on slightly, do you truly believe that one day every passenger with every need will be well catered for at every airport? Is that possible? Well, every single one, probably not. Why? Because there is an element of personal uh, lack of fortune, if you want to call it this way. Statistically, only 15% of all flights are delayed. I happen to fly only on that 15%. I never catch the remaining 85%. And I fly quite frequently, you know, 70, 80 flights a year. So probably there's something wrong with me. So maybe in the services of, of the future, we'll cater to 99.9999% of the population and will not cater for me. But it's not because they're not there, they're not good. It's because I'm out of luck. <laughs> But there is still hope for the future? There is certainty. It's not about hope, it's certainty. And again, it's the right thing to do. Culture is changing, but also there is a strong business case. And where there's a strong business case, industry engages and drives change. What I'm seeing more and more as the years go by is that industry is engaging and driving change. Industry is outpacing uh, regulators. Regulators are struggling to keep uh, behind innovation because there are things today that regulators never thought about. Let me give you a short example and then we close it here. When 1107 was written in 2006 and then came to force in 2008, that's the framework, legal framework for disability assistance, there was a requirement to have calling columns. So a passenger would get to the airport and have a column. They can call and the agent comes to them, wherever they are, the car park or whatever. And so people have gone berserk in building and buying columns that do everything and they're fully accessible. But the regulation was written in 2006. Nowadays, even toddlers have a smartphone. So you really don't need a calling column anymore. You don't need a QR code somewhere, and, and it can be everywhere, you know. And you scan the QR code and you're connected to your mobile, which is easier for you, especially, let's say, if you're blind or if you have other sorts of impairment. But again, industry and technology are outpacing regulators. And this is another thing I was uh, mentioning two weeks ago in Paris uh, to this meeting of regulators, is that regulators really have to be at the forefront of thinking right now because what they're going to write now has to be something that is viable 10 years down the line. We have seen that in the last 12 years, 1107, let's put it this way, it is due for amendments. If they had taken into account developing technologies back then, probably these amendments would not be required today. What you write today definitely needs to take into consideration these changes so that you're actual five or ten years down the line. Amazing. Oh, thank you so much, Roberto. Thank you. Well, that concludes this episode of International Airport Reviews podcast. Many thanks to Roberto for his time. Both his personal and professional insights into accessibility were insightful, and I hope this discussion has helped you change your perspective of PRMs and their needs within airports. 
There is work to be done in this area, but as Roberto said, it is most definitely achievable if we work together. Let me remind you that this podcast is available on our website, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Whilst you listen, double check you are subscribed to receive a free copy of our magazine and join us on our social media channels. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. I look forward to the next episode.